Hey y'all, welcome back to a, another edition of the Chase Thomas Podcast, the Saturday, July 16th, 2022 edition here on the Chase Thomas Podcast on the Blue Wire Pod Network. Uh, it's a jam-packed local hour. We debut the three-part local hour uh, section of the podcast. So each week on Saturday mornings, right here in your podcast feed, guess what? Yeah, you're getting Go Big Orange Friday with uh, Ryan Shepard and Ethan Stone. You're going to get Brian Bastin and Charlie Burris on all things Preds. We don't have a name for this yet, so we need to we need to come up with a name for this. Um, so Nashville Predators coverage here as well as we uh, dive into that. And uh, I dive really all in on the, the hockey front after the Thrashers left over a decade and flirting with the Anaheim Ducks because of my own love of the Mighty Ducks movies and stuff like that. But uh, yeah. We, uh, we dive into that on part two of today's edition of the program. And of course, Atlanta Sports Guys on part three. So all things Atlanta Sports with Max Markovich and Garrett Chapman. So jam-packed Saturday show for you guys uh, today. So thank you as always for making the Chase Homes Podcast part of your daily listen wherever and however you listen to the program. I greatly appreciate it. Uh, you can watch us on YouTube, youtube.com slash Chase Thomas Podcast. Like and subscribe, all that good stuff. Wrote a new piece that you can read over at sportsrenaissanceman.substack.com on taking a day off and uh, the the importance of that and uh, this week and all that good stuff. So um, you can read that, sportsrenaissanceman.substack.com. Uh, go ahead and check that out today. Become a subscriber uh, over there. Chase Thomas Podcast. Uh, uh, what am I doing? Uh, it's late when I do this. Um, sportsrenaissanceman.substack.com. There you go. Type in your email. Become a subscriber. That easy. That simple. As always, you can email this very program chase thomas podcast at gmail.com tweet at me at chase double underscore thomas and like the facebook page at facebook.com slash chase thomas writer all right uncle darren let's go chase thomas pod the chase thomas podcast um my nephew needs me to record see i hate i already hate it i hate it All right, welcome back to another episode of Go Big Orange Friday, where every single person on this phone call has been up for hours and hours getting ready for said podcast. I am joined, as I am at this time every single week, by Ryan Shumpert of Rocky Top Insider. Ryan, good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning. I mean, I, I could I could never be one of these people that would just wake up before a podcast too. Who could, well, to be who fair to that? other people who are concerned, and Ryan's family and friends who listen. Um, it's we're taping this at 6 30 a.m on uh, yeah. friday so it's uh, it's an early morning for us an early morning kickoff and if you see the bright light coming out of ethan's house that's that's fake that's that's a mirage for the it's youtube yes white at all times exactly ethan stone here with his full-on shag haircut that he's got going he's growing it out in the summer ethan of off the sports ethan good morning sir how are you I'm doing great. This light makes me look even whiter than I am, and I don't like it. <laughs> so I could have to find somewhere to move in my uh, my new place I've got here. But yeah, I'm moving. I'm about eighty percent done, hoping to be done soon. I'm really sick of this whole process, but we're almost there. Yeah, moving is not fun, Ethan. Moving is uh, it's not a fun time. I've moved a couple times in the last couple of years, and moving out of state is uh, even less fun. Now, like people are wondering, it's like, is it fun to move across the state? No. No, it's not. It's not fun to move out of downtown Atlanta to uh, Knoxville, Tennessee. It's not a fun process. Um, but what we are here for, uh, guys, is that Tennessee added a lot of recruits since we last recorded. Um, and I want to start by just picking your brain. 
Ethan, the biggest commit over the last week for you was who? Sean Davion Bradley. Yeah, I think think that's pretty easy. It's the, I mean, it's the Nico of the defense. It's not going to get the, the hype or the sexiness that Nico gets, but it's, it's a huge get for Tennessee and it pairs them with obviously with Caleb Herring. So now Tennessee has two top 10 edge rushers in the class of 2023. And, that, that's a big thing. That's for Tennessee to be able to alleviate some of that secondary depth with, you know, all the problems that they had in the past couple of years. They'll be able to get to the quarterback more. And in theory, obviously, with Bradley and with Herring and uh, a whole bunch of other guys coming in. Obviously, I believe Nathan Robinson is the other guy, the, the other edge rusher that, that Tennessee picked up in that class alone. So Tennessee's looking good on the edges for, for the time to come. And, and hopefully they can start getting to the court quarterback and, and make some mistakes out of these uh, SEC caliber opponents. Ryan, what do you think? I'm going to go with Cameron Seldon. And I mm. think, Bradley, you certainly can't go wrong there, but I think we even discussed it amongst ourselves a couple of weeks ago. Tennessee had struck out on most of its big receiver targets, and Seldon was kind of the one guy left that was, you know, a top 150 recruit that they were in the thick of and I think is, is really a game changer for this class. And I think and another reason is you see the Debo Samuel comparison – I think that's a little unfair to put on a kid just because to me, Debo Samuel might be the best playmaker in the whole NFL and to put on a high school kid. But well, when you look at Tennessee's class, this is not nationally a very good, a very strong running back class in Tennessee. Obviously, has Will Stallings, the three star kind of linebacker running back combo from out in Las Vegas, but they've missed out on a couple of their other big targets. And the fact that Selden is a guy that could come in and play running back too, uh, especially early on and kind of has that versatility, I think that's huge to, to get a big-time weapon uh, to, to pair with Nico. And I think, uh, if I had to guess, I think he's probably going to – I think he's like 104 in the 247 composite right now. I think he's going to be a guy that ends up in the top 100, top 75 of the rankings. I I like that one. I still lean Sham right now, where you kind of just want one of those offensive tackles in the boat where you're sure he's an offensive tackle and we're sure he is. And it's one of those where, yeah, it's great to have Nico in the building and – like Ethan said, it's just you want to build up that defensive line, and Tennessee has not had a pass rush of any substance in a very long time. Like it's uh, it's been a while, so just getting him in the door, getting Herring in the door is huge. But I don't know. I think we're still we'll see what happens, and we'll talk about Stanton in a second. But just getting one after Francis picked Miami, you kind of had to keep that momentum going because then you're just like, oh, what are we doing here in terms of the offensive line? Because that was an area where it's like. That was recruited well previously. You go back to previous eras. Tennessee has recruited the offensive line really well. I mean, uh, there was the point in Pruitt's tenure where there were only five stars starting on the offensive line uh, at one point in time. So that is something Tennessee can do. And uh, I think it's just important. It was important that they kept that going and they didn't get off on the wrong foot when it comes to actually protecting uh, Nico or Taven Jackson or whoever it is next year. Um, so that was that for me, I think is a big one. And also just pulling him from Georgia and somebody Georgia liked is also nice. But uh, I do think uh, Bradley is probably the biggest and cam. I just with receiver and stuff like that, I just, I'm not concerned about that spot where I just, <laughs> I think Hypel and this group is going to get whatever he needs to get out of the receiver room. And I think you're going to continue to get more uh, playmakers out wide when there's just more and more tape of the Hypel offense in Knoxville. I just, that's an area where I'm like, okay, I think we're fine. I think uh, Nico, Hinden, Taven, whoever it is, is going to find guys and they're going to make plays out wide. I'm, I'm not really concerned about the wide receiver spot. But if he can play running back too, 
And like Ryan said, he is explicitly the same, the exact same player as Debo Samuel. Um, and he's Debo Samuel when he's lined up next to the quarterback, and he is explicitly AJ Brown he's out wide. So, real um, Patterson, you know, fill in the blank here. Yeah, and that is at R Shump Double Zero uh, for folks who disagree. But that is a direct quote from Ryan uh, here on this Friday morning edition of the podcast. Um, <laughs> I had to give Ryan a hard time for this morning. Uh, Savion Herring, though, uh, is he a wild card option to, on the offensive line, Ryan? Is he someone that actually could find his way into the starting lineup at some point? I think it's possible, but I'd be surprised. To me, it's it's more of an outside-looking-in situation, especially when you, you do have, generally speaking, a lot of stability on Tennessee's offensive line with four starters back. Obviously, that left tackle spot is – a massive question right now and probably the, arguably the biggest question mark on the whole team going into fall camp. But mm-hmm. I still think he's he's behind a number of guys there uh, when you look at that competition. And, uh, and maybe, you know, to me, it's more can he put himself in a position? I mean, we saw it last year. Cooper Mays was injured frequently. I believe Spragans missed a game or two. Can he put himself in a position if a couple of those interior guys do get banged up? Can he put himself in a position to, to earn some playing time off the bench? What do you think, Ethan? I'm sorry, who are we talking about? You kind of cut out a bit oh we're talking about uh Savion Herring okay yeah Mm -hmm. I'd I'd say pretty close to the same thing that Ryan did I feel like the starting five at this point is going to be pretty set as it is but Tennessee moves so fast I feel like injury problems exactly how Ryan said Cooper Mays was out for a pretty decent amount of the time and drove Carbon had to fill in uh obviously at the center spot kind of wherever he was needed so for guys moving around that much I would definitely think that he would find at least the field a pretty decent amount of times just because of that. I mean, offensive line in general is going to be something that not disposable is the word, but necessary, I guess, is the word that you're going to need a lot of guys on the line. I wonder who do you think gets the most snaps? If you had to guess who gets the most snaps at left tackle and you have to account for injuries, who do you think actually this time next year we're like, I cannot believe player X led the team in left tackle snaps this year. Who do you think it is? I go Jeremiah Crawford. I was I was but, thinking Crawford as well. Yeah. To me, Mincy is kind of the X factor. Like his ceiling's mm-hmm. probably the highest, but obviously he just got in in the spring. He didn't play any last year for Florida, is a younger player. Uh, so may, he's the one I think if you're a Tennessee fan and we're looking back at this at the end of the season, I think Gerald Mincy is the name you want to hear because I think if it is Gerald Mincy, you're probably going to be better along the offensive line because the ceiling's higher. But I think Crawford is probably the safe bet as of right now. Who do you think? the coaching staff wants to win that job at left tackle. Do you think they want Mincy to win the job? Maybe. I mean, that's, that's a hard thing to say without, you know, having talked, talked to Glenn Ellerby or Josh yeah. Heifel about it. I mean, maybe from that, that standpoint that maybe they're, they like me view him as the, the highest ceiling guy, but I mean, Crawford is a guy they were very high on talking about, you know, throughout last season, just on how much of his development, how much he grew. And it was kind of a lot, a lot of the same in the spring. So, and that's why I kind of leaned with Crawford over Dane Davis, just because I feel like they've consistently talked about his his growth from the day he got to campus, I guess, out of junior college, right, and before fall camp last year to uh, this spring, last time we talked to him. If Davis has the most snaps, I think we can go ahead and pencil in seven or less wins uh, on the season for Tennessee <laughs> at left that is, an, that is an assault. Dave Davis, I'm sorry. Friend of the program. Hold on. You're listening right now, Dane Davis. Hold on. If Dane Davis, look, 
I think Dane Davis would even admit that, like, hey, if I'm leading in snaps at left tackle, then our season went awry on the offensive line. Like, things things went awry at that point because that means injuries or some horrific play from guys that you expected to get something out of. So it needs it needs to be known. Also, none of them are insanely glam- glamorous. Uh, yeah, most important no. line. <laughs> so I wonder if Darnell Wright moves back though. I wonder that's, if they just – that's the other X factor is I think if there is a problem here and because it is his blind side and just like Darnell, we get that you're more comfortable on the right side, but you're going to have to go to the left to keep Hendon uh, upright. Like it's just you're going to have to go back to the left tackle. I was I was just about to say that. I feel like they'll play a couple games. Uh, if if he starts struggling in about half time <laughs> of the pick game, they're going to be like, all right, Darnell, okay, give me <laughs> You're back to the left tackle, my man. <laughs> Uh, I could see it. I could see it. Um, Speaking of guys moving positions, Walker Merrill, who uh, I believe, did he go to your high school, Ryan? Was he? He did. Yep. Um, He was starting out as a slot guy last year, obviously um, was not getting snaps in that regard. Um, And now is he back out wide? Did they push him out wide? Is he like now out of the slot spot just because Squirrel White's in the building and Jalen Hyatt seems like he's going to start at the slot and it's just there's no real path to him getting on the field at that spot so that he has a better path of getting on the field out wide. Like what, what are you expecting from Walker Merrill in year two? And do you think he actually gets a lot more snaps this year than he did this past year? Yeah, to me, that's a big question because I think he's kind of right on that fringe, which he was last year, granted, kind of right on that fringe of receivers of getting a lot of playing time slash just being a a mop up duty guy. And uh, I think it made a lot of sense to move him outside just because of that. I mean, we talked, we talked about it near the spring when we talked about Brew McCoy, Jalen Robinson, who do you want? I mean, Tennessee's got a ton of guys that you feel pretty good about in the slot. And especially when you add squirrel wide in there too, they really don't, you know, out wide in the receiver spot. Mm. So uh, to me, I think that's the big question is he's naturally a slot guy. How much can he develop and, and gain comfort out there at the X or Y spot? And, and I think if he does, I think he's going to have a chance to, you know, it, this is not the Butch Jones era with the receivers. They're not playing seven or eight receivers, rotating them in rapidly. I mean, it's three, four guys, and then you get a little bit more. And I have a hard time thinking he's going to start over – well, I know he's not going to start over Cedric Tillman. I, I would be mm. shocked if he starts over Brew McCoy. But uh, with him out wide, I think he has a great chance to be, you know, to the third or at the very worst. I guess Ramel Keaton would probably be the other guy he's competing with, the fourth receiver out wide. And, and I think he's going to have an opportunity to kind of – break through where he was last year just on the cusp of getting playing time to getting a, a little bit more legitimate playing time. I also think that we need to it uh Jimmy Holiday and Jimmy Callaway, we have to rename somebody has to become Ricky. Um when I read about them or if I listen to I'm like, I gotta look it back up who's in the slot and who's out wide, which one which Jimmy is which and I don't like it. Uh, I'm sorry. You can't have two Jimmys in the receiver room. It's just not going to work for me. And it's going to be a problem all year long where I'm like, which Jimmy? Okay, is that the slot one? Is that the bigger one? Okay, which Jimmy is which? Uh, I don't like it. So somebody's going to be Ricky. I don't I don't like it. I don't want to be a Ricky. That's never been me. But someone's going to become Ricky Holiday or Ricky Calloway. It's unfortunate, but it has to change. It also doesn't help that they're number nine and number ten. Yes. Same year. Like. Um. It's, it's ridiculous. I feel like such an idiot when I'm like, I don't remember which one's which. And I don't like this is never going to be a thing. It's never going to stick. Um, it's almost like a Tro- the Troy Anderson. It's taken me a long time to not call him Troy Morgan for some reason. Uh, the Falcons new linebacker. I think I missed. Uh, I was thinking Dan Morgan when I was reading about him at some point, And then I just put Morgan at the end of his name. And it's like, nope, still Troy Anderson. And uh, we'll see what happens. But 
there's a very strong possibility I write Troy Morgan on multiple Hawk uh, Falcons pieces uh, over the next couple of months. Um, Rico and Stanton Romel, uh, who do you think is more important, Ethan, to nab in the next few weeks? I'd keep going offensive lines to Stanton Romel. I, I'm not 100% sure where, where he stands at at the moment, Tennessee's kind of hit a lull a little bit, obviously, with a whole bunch of a flurry of early July commitments. And then we were kind of laying low until Jakeem Jackson on July 28th. And and obviously, Hunter Osborne is going to be coming soon here. But I think Stanton Ramil at a guy like that, because they obviously they miss on Lucas Simmons a little bit ago. They they miss on Francis and they grab Sham, which going one for three is good. But you got to just keep adding to that, man. I'm going to keep saying the st- same stuff I've been saying the entire time with the way Tennessee's offense moves and how fast they move and how, I guess, injury, not prone, but just the ability to get injured on this offense. I feel like adding guys like that is always important. And and I, it seems like a guy that Nico and, and the rest of the group really seem to want to get on board. Yeah, I'm I'm curious to see which way, because like it seems like nobody has any idea where Rico is leaning. And then Stanton feels like a pretty good one but in terms of lucas stuff i don't think i'm counting that one out i think if florida state has a bad year i think lucas is i I just i would not be surprised if lucas is still uh there's still a good possibility he is a tennessee volunteer i would not so stanton is not do or die for me just because florida state has a very very tough schedule and i i don't know we'll we'll see on lucas simmons i'm not writing that one off just yet uh what about you ryan do you think who do you think is more important of those two I think you're dead on the money with Lucas Simmons. Uh, mm. I've said it, you know, a year or two ago, like Florida state just reminds me so much of Tennessee, like 2008 to <laughs> 2011, like that range. That doesn't mean they will wander in the desert for a decade like the Vols have, but it, mm. it also doesn't seem like Mike Norvell in short terms, the guy that, that turned it around. But uh, back to your question, I, I'd go Rico Walker. I, to me, one, it kind of goes back to your point earlier that you made about Cam Seldon and Tennessee's mm. ability to get a lot of offensive guys. And now obviously they haven't, you know, been getting every single offensive line target they've had on their board. But defensively, I still think there's an increased emphasis. And as good as they've recruited the edge in these past two classes, they haven't recruited the interior particularly well. So mm-hmm. I think that would be a huge get. North Carolina is – that's kind of always – theory of mine is not the right word. But I always love to see Tennessee go in North Carolina and get players because I think that should be a recruiting area, same with Virginia, that they really harp on to try to go get guys. And, and that changes a little bit with Clemson being as good as they are and obviously North Carolina, who seems to be Tennessee's biggest competition with Walker, is recruiting a lot better than they have traditionally with Mac Brown. But I would go there, and to me, offensive line, and it is different offensive tackle, the offense, the interior, it's points really more of the interior. But I think a lot of it's just hard to, the hardest position to project on these recruiting rankings. And that doesn't mean Stanton Ramel. I mean, four-star, that doesn't mean he's going to not come in and be really good. But to me, you just see a lot more fluctuation there because these guys who are grading them out, or doing the rankings are doing that largely off of tape when, you know, Ramel does play in Georgia. Now it was some good competition, but a lot of times you're not playing great competition and a ton of it's the camp stuff when they're not in pads. And I just think that is really hard to grade. And you go back to what you said a few years ago, Tennessee had the offensive line with all five stars and that offensive <laughs> line was pretty good. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't much. It wasn't fantastic by any means. Uh, I'm trying to remember what the, the, the TVA, the TVA struggled pretty badly down in Athens, Georgia that yeah. day in the second half. Yeah. So uh, that to me, it, it, hold on, line, but who it, could forget, who could forget the the safety? Who could forget what, that was a big time moment. That was a, that was a big time touchdown moment. or touchdown. I guess that was a touchdown. Yeah, they yeah. did. It wasn't yeah. just safety. Yeah, they did. Yeah. yeah. Who could forget? 
that first half. Yeah. Hey, that was uh, fun times. I feel like it was really rainy here that day, wasn't it? It was a pretty, it's pretty gloomy uh, afternoon, if I recall that one. Uh, but hey, leave the memories alone. Uh, last Tennessee football nugget, Ethan. Do you think Josephs or Pierce breaks out in twenty twenty two? Who do you think is more likely to break out? I've liked James Pierce ever since National Signing Day. I, I thought he was a really interesting prospect. And, and if I remember, he kind of came out of nowhere. I, I can't remember if, if Tennessee was was projected to get him as well as they were. And mm-hmm. in all fairness, I mean, they, they both have to go up against Byron Young and Tyler Barrett uh, at some point, which, uh, like I've said a thousand times, injuries happen. But I feel like James Pierce is, is more of the athletic type to, to be able to, I don't know, fill in for one of Barron or, or Young on, on the edge, but I, I would hope both of them would be able to, you know, make some noise in some capacity. I I think someone does. Like, someone has to break out of this group, and I now there's just – it's kind of funny. There's just too much talent now, and I think Gardner, like we've seen, is like he's going to rotate, but there still will be a point where he's going to find guys he trusts and guys who do break out and have good camps and are just better and farther along than other guys. And I think – there's just too much talent for one of these guys not to be one of those folks who we don't talk about yet, but in October, they're just a central part to what Gardner's doing on the defensive line. Who do you think it is? Do you think it's Joseph or Pierce, uh, Ryan? I think it's Pierce. And I think you're right. I mean, even injuries aside, mm. I mean, Tennessee's defense is on the field for a billion plays a game. It yep. feels like they're going to have to rotate guys. And uh, I mean, Pierce, like Ethan said, I thought was really compelling as a prospect. I mean, he blew up late and, you know, a lot of he's my huge. Choose him. Yeah, he's massive. I mean, the, and this probably isn't the best logic, but, you know, the, the scrimmage we got to watch this year, and he was a lot of it was playing against 13 and, and some mm-hmm. against double team. But, he, I mean, he absolutely dominated in the scrimmage. He was, again, he didn't run with the ones any, so he wasn't going up against Tennessee's first team offensive line. And we just talked about the question marks that they have it on the starting offensive tackle spot, let alone. Uh, the backup ones, and but he was dominant in that scrimmage. I think had like about five sacks, and was just really impressive. With obviously he's massive, and then his his first step off the ball, I mean, was was really really impressive. Yeah, I'm excited. I think uh, Pierce is the answer here. We'll end on this: uh, the UConn transfer is that happening? Uh, is this is he going to be a Tennessee Volunteer um, going into next year? Or are we just going to be sweating it out uh, come draft night? <laughs> oh my god allergies in the summer I, I couldn't oh get to the mute god. button fast enough that was just coming and i was like I was, oh god oh my god there we go dollywood killed me uh Ethan, oh, what uh, just the oh my god all right anyway never sneeze on this podcast like that anyway ethan what do you think happens there sorry you just you just frazzled me a little bit i i, I <laughs> a little bit on our show and i feel like ryan would have more insight on this than i will but i mean he obviously has the Tommy John thing from uh, last season and he's transferring. So I feel like if he knew he was going to go to a higher round, he would just stay put. Mm. And I, I don't know. It's, it, it's kind of a crapshoot because if he goes lower rounds than I feel like he's anticipating, he'll be going to Tennessee. He'll be staying on Rocky top. But if he gets drafted high, obviously on July 17th, just in a couple of days during the draft, he probably will take the paycheck. I just, uh, it, uh, Ryan probably has more insight on that than I would. Ryan, what do you think? Well, Tennessee is definitely going to be sweating it out. I mean, that's <laughs> without a doubt, they're going to be sweating it out. And I was told from somebody that they kind of view it as 50 50 right now. Um, and I think that Ethan hit on two of the good points. And one of them being that he committed 
I thought the same thing. I think in, in some ways you can look at it as that is a good sign. On the other way, you can kind of look at it as maybe as a leverage play uh, to try to get more money from whoever ends up drafting him. Secondly, uh, when you mentioned the Tommy John, he only has, I mean, really most of, he's getting drafted. This is Reggie Crawford, incredible left-handed pitcher, throws upper 90s, also first baseman who hit, I believe, 13 home runs as a sophomore at UConn two years ago. And this is at UConn where, geography guy, it's pretty cold up in Connecticut in February mm. and March. It's hard to hit home runs. But I, People I are saying say the, the most of his career has been playing first base in college. It has not been as a pitcher. I think he's thrown like nine innings. He's going to get drafted as a pitcher. Like That's where he projects. So I think, to Ethan's point, if he falls, really, it doesn't, it's not going to take much at all for him to fall below where he wants. He's going to have a lot of opportunities to improve his draft stock in Tennessee. I mean, I think if he comes, if he comes to Tennessee, I think he's going to have a chance to be a top 10 pick in next year's draft. And while he could maybe be a first round pick this year, and if he is a first round pick, he will not be coming to Knoxville. Uh, he's not going to be a top 10 pick. And I think that ability that there's just so much raw potential there and so much question mark still about his pitching ability, I think gives a, a little bit, hopefully from the Tennessee perspective, a little bit of doubt in the, in the scouts minds. And he drops just a little bit. And if he drops just a little bit, I think he will be uh, he'll, he'll be at Tennessee and, Man, what a, what a pickup that'll be. I like it. I like it. Uh, Ryan, what can the good folks check out from you and the team over at Rocky Top Insider this week? Yeah, so plenty of stuff kind of recapping uh, recapping the football recruiting. Uh, chaotic 10 days. I had a piece yesterday kind of looking at what we just talked about uh, with the, the pass rushers. Can, can Tyler Barron and Byron Young take uh, another step forward? And then out here later today, probably by the time people are listening to this, I'll have a complete MLB draft preview of what you need to know. Uh, about Tennessee's point of view, the high school guys, for the most part, they should be good there. Crawford's the, uh, the main transfer. Zane Denton's another one from Alabama they could possibly go. And then obviously a lot of players on this Tennessee team uh, from last year will be selected. Uh, which ones are definitely gone, which ones uh, maybe if they, they fall will come back, and which ones kind of going to the draft or, or true toss-ups. There you go. Ethan, what about you and the team over at Off the Hook Sports? Yeah, we just finished up with the uh, top 25 most important players for the Vols this upcoming season. I'm kind of transitioning into going on transfers and freshmen, new guys like James Pierce, like Squirrel White, all, all those guys that will be in the top 15. I believe Jackson Hanna was yesterday, a transfer from Nebraska, preferred walk-on guy. So I'll have all that. And then obviously we'll start back up with the uh, live shows on Monday. And yeah, uh, excited to get going on that. There you go. There you go. Ethan Stone, Ryan Shepard. Thank you as always, and I will talk to y'all next week. Sounds great. All right, that'll do it for part one here on a Saturday, uh, the Saturday, July 16th, 2022 edition here on the Chase Most Podcast. Thank you as always for making the Chase Most Podcast part of your daily listen, and uh, thank you for checking out uh, the Tennessee Volunteers coverage here on the weekly program. Greatly appreciate Ryan Shumpert and Ethan Stone for stopping by as they do every single week on this show. I greatly appreciate it. Um, if you like today's episode, please, please, please make sure that you leave this show a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. If that is indeed how you listen to the program, make sure that you are subscribed on YouTube as well as we continue to grow that channel, youtube.com slash Chase Thomas Podcast. Like and subscribe, all that good stuff. Um, part two coming up in just one second with Brian and Charlie to debut our National Predators coverage as we uh, continue on the local, it's not really a local hour, local hours on the Saturday edition of the Chase Thomas Podcast. So look out for that right here on this very feed. Make sure you're locked in, subscribed, all that good stuff, and you won't miss it. All right, Uncle Derek, how'd I do?
Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.